0: How do you scale a business to seven figures? Then how do you scale to eight figures? Then how do you scale to nine figures? If you've ever wanted to know what it takes to grow a business, then you're in the right place. Thanks for tuning in to Scaling with Samir. This show is intended to celebrate and highlight techniques and strategies taught by today's leaders in the business world. Wanna know how an e-commerce business started in someone's home to being the world's largest sock store? Want to learn what it takes to become the CEO of one of the largest global online marketplaces? How about actionable steps to building stronger relationships with your customers to produce more revenue? Do you know which numbers you should be paying attention to and which numbers will lead you to success? How will you make your marketing campaigns successful after cookies are gone? Want to learn from the leaders in brand building and attention-grabbing marketing? Well, all of those are already in our previous listed episodes, and this episode will be no exception. I interview the top marketers that are influencing the market, making an impact, scaling faster than their competitors, and doing good for the world. We will dissect what they did to get to the multi-million-dollar mark. I'm your host, Samir Al Kamouni, founder and CEO of Fetch and Funnel, which is a performance marketing agency specializing in scaling businesses. Sign up to receive tactics to apply directly to your business to improve results and scale at fetchfunnel.com/podcast. At the end of each episode, my goal is to have you feeling inspired and fired up by learning from today's top innovators, marketers, and entrepreneurs. Let's dig into another amazing story about a unique business, crushing it, and learn from their success and learnings. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to an exciting episode of today's podcast. I am super pumped to introduce Mr. Jason Barnard, who is the CEO and founder of CaliCube? Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Samir. Absolutely delighted to be here. I think we're gonna be talking about some interesting things today about how brands should be, let's, you know, for lack of a better word, holding down their turf. And they should be making sure that they're thinking about how they're being shown on Google when people are searching for their brand. Where I think a lot of e-commerce brands they might be thinking about this. They might be very proactive about this. They, they might be just allowing Google to do whatever Google's going to do without really acknowledging that because they think their brand kind of shows up when people are searching for their brand. But this is a, a really important topic that brands should be focusing on right they should be paying attention to these things and and yeah so i'm super excited to to bring you on today to really discuss those those types of things and how brands can really make sure that they're being represented in the right way and and be able to i guess take advantage of all the features and all of the things that would would benefit their their business and their brand when people are searching for them
1: Right. That's brilliantly said. Um, holding down your turf, making the most of the features, making sure that you dominate and you control what your audience sees when they Google your brand name uh, is hugely important and vastly, vastly underestimated, in my opinion.
0: So I'd love to just dig a little bit into that. So I'm curious as, well, actually, really quickly, why don't you introduce yourself? would be great to hear just a little bit about you, a little bit about your background, and, yeah, kind of introduce CaliCube mm. as well.
1: Yeah, my name's Jason Barnard. Uh, Search my name on Google, J-A-S-O-N-B-A-R-N-A-R-D. My company is CaliCube. You can search that too, K-A-L-I-C-U-B-E. And both myself and my company, CaliCube, specialize in optimizing what your audience sees when they Google your brand name. Um, It also goes for your personal name. So we're we're not specifically companies. We can do people, we can do films, we can do books, we can do products even. What we call a brand SERP, SERP, a search engine results page for a brand name, a person's name, a book name, a product name. We make sure that the person or the company that owns that brand or personal brand controls the brand message that their audience sees when they Google a name. Um, and we've been doing this for 10 years now, uh, specializing in this, making sure that what I call your Google business card truly represents you. Um, We are, as far as I know, the only company in the world who specializes in this uh, and who have the level of knowledge and the level of skill that we have. Um, I've probably done 2,000 in, in the time I've been working on this, so I know a lot about how to make sure that Google is showing you correctly. And it's all about packaging your brand message and your brand marketing for Google, and you might think oh that's very geeky terribly SEO search engine optimization based but it's actually great branding, great brand marketing simply packaged for Google with a few simple tips and tricks from the basics of SEO much of the time
0: and we talk about branding a lot on this podcast because we we stress how important that is mm. sort of it's been very clear that that's been the case the last couple of years we've been stressing it for years and years um but it it's mm. only going to become more and more important and so i think that 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 what separates you right from your competitors sometimes is just that Extra bit of branding, that extra bit of design, that extra bit of confidence when I'm browsing your website or looking at your products or or whatever it is. And it's why you always hear brands say, I, you know, oh, I want an elevated look or I want to, you know, look extremely professional because they've already starting to acknowledge that if they go in that direction, you know, it's only going to benefit them, you know, as far as the the benefiting their end user, right? as a better customer experience. And so I think as that is the, almost like the first right. touch point of the customer experience <laughs> when someone's searching your brand and I'm potentially about to click onto your website, this is sort of that first impression almost in a way um, maybe I mm. saw an ad or, or, you know, maybe a friend recommended it or something like that. Or maybe I'm just a returning customer, which is, you know, or a returning user, which is totally fine as well. But yeah. in, in that instance, you know, we, 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 We know why it's so important, but I I guess what should brands be making sure that they're focusing on, you know, maybe kind of in the early days of the brand, uh, but then also kind of as they progress and they start becoming a bigger brand?
1: Right, that's a great question. From the perspective, I think you need to start right at the beginning and you need to decide what is our brand, what is our brand message, what is our brand image, visually speaking, and communicate consistently across the board, across the web, from the very beginning, and that's obviously for your customers or your prospects in the sense that they will see you in multiple touch points across the web if you've got a good digital strategy. But from my perspective on the Brand SERP is that they will at some point Google your name, and at that point, you need to make sure that that message is reflected. And what's great about Brand SERP, search engine results page for a brand name, is that Google will reflect back to you how it perceives your brand message across the entire web. So it's an amazing insight into how good a job you're doing with your brand, brand um, marketing across the entire web. So what I tell my clients when they come to me is Google your company name, think about what you see, think about what you expected to see and think about what you want to see. And the three are never the same. What you need to do is Look at what's wrong, what Google is misinterpreting, and start trying to fix it. Because what Google is misinterpreting is where you have been inconsistent or unconvincing, and in both cases, you need to actually nail that both for your clients, your prospects, but also for Google. That's a really good point. And so,
0: as they're looking at that, what are usually some of the most popular things or, or most common things that come up? Like, what are what are those? What are those cases that then they should be paying attention to? And there's, and and then, and then how can they do something about mm. it?
1: Right. I mean, I think kind of the, the feedback I get so often is I come up number one when you search my company name, therefore there is no problem. And yes, you probably do come up number one, but it probably isn't exactly the message you want to project. And Amazon is an amazing example of this. Up until 2021, their Blue link at the top of the SERP said, um, best offers on books, hi-fi, audio, and other stuff. I can't remember quite what it was. And it was pure sales pitch to what I would consider an audience who don't know who Amazon are. And they've now changed it to Amazon, pay less, smile more. All of a sudden, after 23 years, they've realized that that result for Amazon on Google should be about their brand and what they bring to their audience and not cheap bikes and audio and books. And I'm astonished it took them 23 years to figure that out. Um, So from that perspective, point number one is look at that and think, well, yes, I am ranking number one, but am I projecting the brand image that I want? Then you look further down that brand search, the search engine results page for your brand name, and you look at the social media channels, if I'm focusing on Facebook, does it appear? If it does appear, does it actually show what I want it to show? If it doesn't appear, is it because I'm doing a bad job on Facebook or because Facebook isn't the right place for me to focus on and Google is trying to tell me that I should be focusing on YouTube? Um, Then also that YouTube is a great point is videos. Videos are phenomenally important for Google today. As it moves away from text towards Multimedia, audio, podcasts, and video, you as e commerce um, businesses should be creating more video. Google is actively looking for your video about the products that you're selling with your expertise in that video. And the helpful content update over the last kind of couple of years, Google have been updating and updating and updating, and they're looking more and more for original content about specific products where you, as an e-commerce brand, bring your expertise, because Google, think about what Google's trying to do. It's saying, I want to get my user, it's Google's user, it's not yours, it's Google's user, I want to get my user to the solution to their problem or the answer to their question as efficiently as possible. That means if you're at the top, it's recommending you. If it's recommending you, it's recommending you as the best solution the best option for purchasing. So you need to convince Google to recommend you to its audience. And when its audience sees you at the top of Google or sees the result for your brand, which is incredibly impressive, that's Google's stamp of approval. And we use Google because we trust Google. If Google's giving you its stamp of approval, you're winning all the way. Very
0: true, very true. Uh, You you touched upon the, the Google My Business I mean, that's an obvious thing if you have mm. a physical store or if you're in retail at all. Like if, if you've got a physical location yeah. and you don't have a Google My Business page, just pause this episode and go create one right now. But <laughs> I, I think a lot of yep. brands don't do them, right? Or they're or they're thinking about, uh, you know, well, I don't have a physical location. I don't want to use my address or, you know, I'm not going to use my warehouse mm. or, or what have you you know and and I've searched some big brands before this episode wondering what how are they representing themselves I'm really cu- you know I was really curious kind of what do they how are they representing themselves what do they have on the first page are they using anything hmm. on the right hand side of Google so how should brands be approaching that you know when they don't have a physical location they don't have an address what you know should they create a Google my business page what should they be doing
1: yeah that that's a huge question uh, from multiple perspectives As you say, Google My Business, now called Google Business Profile, is part of Google Maps. And that's to represent the real physical world if I want to go to an office, go to a shop, um, go to a supermarket. And in the e-commerce space, obviously, you have a warehouse, you have a a home. (laughs) Having a Google My Business isn't actually relevant because you don't want people coming to your place of business. And Google Business Profile, Google My Business, creates a problem in that it will sometimes create one for you, even if you don't want one. And the problem from your audience perspective is that that makes you look like a small-time mom-and-pop business, brick-and-mortar in your hometown or in the town where you're based. You want to look like a huge, impressive corporation. And that requires what we call a knowledge panel. And that's on the right-hand side of the world. If you search for Amazon, you won't see a Google business profile. You'll see a block of information, which is Google's understanding of the facts. You want that because that's impressive and you want to make sure that you look impressive. So from a perspective of a potential customer, I Google your brand name and I see a Google My Business or a Google Business profile. I think small company. I see a knowledge panel like Amazon's knowledge panel. I could potentially see well. I would see your name, your description, some products you're offering, your social profiles, the, potentially the CEO and founder, the date founded, maybe some questions about the company. You need that because you need to look impressive. You need to look like that serious, credible business, and Google needs to be showing you in that way so that your audience see that stamp of approval from Google and working on that is a huge task. It's What we specialize in at CaniCube. is we say, okay, let's take your business and we're going to explain to Google who you are, what you do, or what you offer, and which audience you serve. And it's quite a long process. It takes about a year, but we can educate Google so that it will generate one of these knowledge panels on the right-hand side. You could call them information boxes that make you look much, much, much more impressive. Um, And this is all based on what Google calls the knowledge graph, and it's Google's understanding of the world. And Google Maps is part of that, but it's actually a small part of it. We think of Google Maps as huge. It's tiny in comparison to the understanding of the whole world. And we need to educate Google so that Google understands who we are, what we do, and which audience we serve, so that it can represent us to its audience in the manner that we want, especially that factual information box on the right-hand side. So we we know very really really good advice, by the way, and and I appreciate that
0: because I think it is something that a lot of brands are Mm. actively thinking about. And I think the more proactive you are about these things, the more important you know the 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 less stressed you'll be in the future. Trust me, (laughs) because all too often brands don't pay attention to this stuff, and it's and it's when it bites them in the butt that then they are then starting to pay attention to it. And at that point, I don't want to say it's too late because it's certainly never too late to own your, you know, have your brand, you know, decide how your brand's going to be represented. But on the other hand, it just, it's just going to take that much more work and that much longer in order to get the results that you want. If you're being reactive instead of proactive. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, right. so that's why you, you really have to get ahead of it. And, uh, but but I am curious, and I'm going to ask a question that maybe no one actually cares about besides me. But Google's certainly the elephant in the room. But w- you know, what about the other search engines? I, you know, I was at Thanksgiving and I saw someone on DuckDuckGo for the mm. first time in public <laughs> or in person. I guess should people be thinking about other search engines? Yeah. Should they be you know thinking about Bing and and you know especially as privacy is on the rise, I think that we're going to see. People proactively using these other yeah. sort of privacy, you know, privacy first search engines.
1: Yeah, I, I, how much you focus on them depends on your audience. Uh, it's really important to remember. Obviously, Google is ninety percent of the world, but if you're in the Czech Republic, uh, they have a search engine Sezam, which dominates. Uh, if you're in Turkey, it's um, <laughs> the Russian one. I can't remember what it's called now, off the top of my head. Um, Bing would tend to dominate, especially in administration and large corporations, because Bing is installed by default, and users are not allowed to change their computer setup without permission from the administrators. So if your audience is corporate, big corporate, you would tend to want to focus on Bing more than somebody whose audience is people in in America B2C. So look at your audience, look at your Google Analytics, figure out where people are coming from today, and focus on those search engines. And as you say, DuckDuckGo, with privacy, they have the, the, the effect that the results are not personalized. So that means you need to really focus on how well it understands you, how well it can represent you, and not specifically to your audience. So it would be more generalist. Whereas Google is going to tend to present you in in respect to your audience from the perspective of the, your audience's needs. Uh, I, I personally love Bing. I think Bing's great. Um, I, I would focus on it out of pure interest because I think it's groovy. Um, and 10% of you know whatever the search volume in the world is, it's still 3 billion users a month that Bing gets. So... Yeah. You know, I, my pragmatic advice is think about being don't put too much effort into it if it isn't going to bring you the income, uh, the return on investment that you need. But certainly make, make sure you're thinking about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And certainly apply the 80-20 rule, certainly. But to your point, you know, it is true. Like pay attention mm-hmm. to analytics, pay attention to your traffic, pay attention to who your customer is. Um, you know, I love, I love what you said about Bing's completely accurate, right? It, it's, you know, there, there are certain demographics or, you know, or jobs or things like that that definitely are,
1: you know, are going to skew towards that. Um, no, I, I did a series of interviews with uh, team leads at Bing, and they made that point to me. They explained to me how Bing functions. That's the reason I understand so much about how Google functions, because Google and Bing function more or less the same way. And um, Google keep it all secret, but Bing actually share it. So I asked them, how, how do you actually work? How does it all function? And they explained it to me. Um, and that was incredibly interesting because it gave me that insight into how exactly, you were talking earlier on about the rich features, the, the video boxes, the image boxes, how can we leverage that onto our brand SERP and make our brand SERP the result for our brand name on Google or Bing look as impressive and possible as possible? Now the answer is have a video strategy, have an image strategy, have a social media strategy, have a website strategy and have an outreach PR strategy. If you do that, you've got an incredibly well-balanced digital marketing strategy and a great-looking brand set.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense and I I I think it's it, it's very important, right? And and like we we touched upon it, but uh you you your competitors will come for you, right? Whether whether you think that or not, competitors are going to come for yes. you you know, you're going to compete with yourself at some point, whether it's because you sell on Amazon or because you sell on other retailers or whatever it is, those retailers might be bigger than you. <laughs> so you have to be very careful and and you want to, you know, you really want to make sure that to your earlier point, Jason, that you want to make sure that you're owning, you know, how your brand is being represented because it is that impression that people are going to see and and, and think about.
1: And, and if we come back to the point about other search engines, if Google has understood, the other ones will probably understand as well. So Google's a good way to start in the sense that we can be fairly sure that Google, Bing, uh, DuckDuckGo, Apple are building a search engine as well. They're, they all see the same data. They're all using the same technology. They all have the same audience, even though, obviously, the different kind of types of audience are slightly different. It's still people, still people buying things from you. So you can, you can look at it and say, well, if I can present it correctly, clearly, and appropriately to Google, then the others will understand it too. I just need to track it. I'm not going to change my entire strategy just to please DuckDuckGo, but I can certainly expect DuckDuckGo to have not the same level of understanding as Google, but certainly they'll be getting there. So over time, I can expect that a solid digital marketing strategy with a solid brand marketing Message across the web will be understood by all these engines.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a really good point. Um, we're you know, and, and we're we're talking about brands. We're talking about uh, you know how your brand is represented and the importance of of branding, but. No, I I I kind of want to touch upon. Yeah. I mean, it, people who are listening to this podcast are. I'm going to assume pretty talented people because you're sitting and you're spending the time trying to learn the knowledge that we're we're trying to share on this. And so, you know, most of our audience is is talented marketers, other founders, aspirational founders, right? They they haven't founded something mm-hmm. yet, but they want to, and and knowledge seekers, right? And and so I I think with those people you know, they're also Mm. proactively thinking about themselves and, you know, and and their knowledge and and they're always trying to better themselves. And one thing I definitely want to touch upon is actually your own personal brand, because I think that's another really important thing to own if you can, right? Because again, if you're, If you ever need to be reactive, it's going to be very difficult, painful, and expensive. But if you're proactive, right, about, about, I mean, every applicant that comes our way, I certainly Google them, like either before the interview process or at some point during the interview hmm. process. I'm proactively looking at how they look online and what can I find about them. But I also think it's a unique opportunity for you to showcase your you know, what, what differentiates you. And then, you know, I'm very fortunate I'm the only smear community in the world. So it's very easy for me to own that turf, but for a lot of people, right. that's not the case. And they're competing with a lot of other people that have the same name. And so I think that's another interesting thing too, yeah. maybe, right. Someone else comes up and it's an article about them and it's not you, but there's no picture. So you have no idea whether it's you or not. And so, I'd love to kind of talk about that even just for a minute or two about like not necessarily right. the importance of, of of owning, you know, your own personal brand. Because I, I feel like that should be somewhat obvious. But like what should people be trying to focus on or thinking about if they're like, well, hey, I don't have a blog and I don't really want to start a website. Like are there yeah. things that they can do to be a little bit more proactive about just making sure that their own you know personal brand identity is is – you know, looks professional or 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 is, to our earlier point, you know, is yeah. how we want it to be
1: presented? Yeah, no, huge, huge question. and really, really interesting uh, perspective on it is you need to understand that you represent your company. People do business with the people who represent the company. So if you're the CEO or the founder, you're looking for second round of investment, you need to look great. People are going to be looking you up people are going to be Googling you. If you're on a show like this, the host will Google you. Uh, Your direct clients might not be Googling you. But certainly the people around your business, the partners, the, the people you will be working with on a B2B level, certainly are going to be doing that. And the other point is that Google understands you and your company in unison. So if it understands you better, it will understand your company better. If it understands your company better, it will understand you better. And each one will help build on the other in terms of Google's understanding, but also the ease with which you can then change the results that Google is presenting for one or the other. And if you look at me and my company, you will see that the results are very much, um, I would say, an osmosis. They're together. You see me when you search my company, and you see my company when you search me. Hugely important. And people people overlook it. That's where we specialize, is we will take the company, improve Google's understanding of that, but we'll also take the C-level employees, the founder, the authors perhaps even, make sure Google understands them better. And the point about authors is hugely important. If you've heard of EIT, expertise, authoritativeness and trustworthiness, that's a huge SEO signal to Google today. It used to be inbound links, and now inbound links is one tiny part of expertise, authoritativeness and trustworthiness. Now, if Google understands who you are, then it can properly apply those signals of expertise, authoritativeness and trustworthiness. And it applies them at three different levels, content level, author level, publisher level. So if it understands who you are as an author, it can understand that you are an expert, you are authoritative, and you are trustworthy. If it understands who's published it, you as a company, are you expert, are you authoritative, or are you trustworthy? And then the content, is it trustworthy, is it expert, and does it have authority? And you need to look at all three. At CaliCube, we build up. Expertise, authoritative, and trustworthiness for the publisher and for the author and for the people who represent the company. And at content level, you have uh, tools like uh, WordLift, for example, who are an Italian company who build internal knowledge graphs that explain to Google and the other machines all about the content. So they do content level, we do author level, and we do um, publisher level. And they go together. You can't have one without the other. Google is always looking for who's authored the content. It's always looking for who's published the content. So you need the content, but you also need that explicit understanding and Google's understanding of the credibility of both the author and the publisher. And that's you. Makes sense.
0: Really, really important. And you know, I, st- I still think it'd be good for people to to get out there. Right. It's, it's interesting. Some of a lot of the stuff that even we rank for organically mm. on the first page is other podcasts that I've been on or other blog articles that we've written on. So,
1: mm.
0: you know, think about that too, cause you don't necessarily have to start your own blog or, you know, or do these things, but you can show up on authoritative no. sites and control that, right. So that the narrative, so that you decide the narrative, which, um, mm. to your point, Jason, I, th- I think it's very important and, and people should be
1: thinking about yeah, I mean, controlling the narrative is is overlooked. I mean, you spend a lot of money on building your brand message within your company. You say, okay, this is what we're saying. This is what we stand for. This is who we're communicating with. And this is how we communicate. And the best way to see if the world is seeing the your brand message the way you intended is to just look in the mirror, which is Google. And it's the Google result for your <laughs> brand name, or indeed, your personal name. Do you control the narrative? And if you look up Jason Barnard or CaliCube, you will see that we control the brand message we control our narrative we communicate with our audience searching our name in exactly the way we want to
0: yep uh, I love that and I, I you know you can you could check out Jason's story which I, I love your story of sort of you know how, how you got really excited about it because you had to figure out your own your own personal turf of, of making sure that that you know you showed up the way that you wanted to just because of you know your your yep. past career um not in a bad way but just you know when people googled you it was it was your past career and and you had changed careers right and so um i feel like it's an important you know it, it's yeah, yeah right it, it happens and, right? and that
1: that that's the huge question that we have with every client who comes on board when we do this service for them is our first question is who are you and who do you want to be seen to be And it's a surprisingly difficult question, not for companies. Companies tend to be relatively simple. And it's just a question of us packaging their brand marketing to uh, appeal to Google and so Google can understand it. For a person, the story you mentioned about me is that I was a cartoon blue dog. I was in a TV series. And Google said Jason Barnard is a cartoon blue dog because that's what it understood. And what I then had to do was educate Google that I used to be a cartoon blue dog, but today I'm a digital marketer. So, it's re educating Google or educating about what's important today for my audience as opposed to what it's understood the best. So, from that perspective, I had to sit down and think, well, am I still in the business of being a voice actor in cartoons? The answer is no. I'm in the business of being a digital marketer. I'm in the business of helping people with knowledge panels, the information box on the right hand side of the brand, of of the Google SERP, sorry and helping them with the brand SERP overall, their Google business card. And I need Google to represent that. And in order for Google to represent it, I need to educate it. I need to explain to it. And the first decision is obviously, is that why I want to be known for? I've had clients who come in and say, well, I'm an author and I'm an entrepreneur and I own a company and I like to ski. And you, you're going to have to choose. You're going to have to make sure that you've got one primary focus And you can have multi-facets, that's not a problem. Google has a system for that. They're called filter pills, and it puts them across the top. If you search my name, you'll see red filter pills that say overview, songs, music group, TV series. So you can manage the multiple facets, but there's always one dominant facet. And we're currently, for me, trying to change it from author to company founder and CEO, because although i am an author that isn't the most important thing for my audience today my, the most important thing for my audience today is i'm founder and ceo of canicube who specializes in brand SERP optimization and knowledge panel management love it, it. love it it's very important and uh, yeah i mean it's mm-hmm.
0: it is something that you know i feel like yeah you, you should be paying attention to and and too frequently you know when was the last time you even googled yourself or your own brand or your own you know business i think it's something to pay attention to and uh yeah if you you know you 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 want to make sure that you're controlling the narrative to our point and and you want to make sure that you know it's very important to you know not only to the end user but you know to yeah. Just how you're represented. Right. And to your point, you know, on a personal level, you want to make sure that you're being represented in the sure. right way, but certainly as a business, you want to make sure that Google's representing you the way, right way, because there's, I could give you a hundred examples where Google has misinterpreted one yeah. of our clients or <laughs> a brand that we work with or something like that. So
1: you, know, you have to be really careful. Um, Yeah. And your point about uh, individual names, the fact that other people share the name in general, except for yours, Um, I, I certainly, there are 300 Jason Barnards in the world. But when you search Jason Barnard, I seem to be the only one who exists. And that's hugely impressive for my audience. They think, you know, I was searching for this guy. I got this guy. And it makes me look more important, even though I'm not. And all I've done is educate Google and make sure Google understands. And that's what we now call the dominant entity. It's I dominate the Jason Barnards in the world right now. And you can do that. And if you can do that, it makes you look more important, even though you're not. So when somebody searches you, even if there's only a couple of people searching you every month, it might be that investor. It might be your future partner. partner business partner, as in. <laughs> um, it... It it could be the person who is absolutely key to the future of your business who's going to give you that opportunity. And they're looking you up on Google to find out if they want to do business with you as a person as opposed to your business. Yeah, very, very true. It could, could be either partner. I mean, I Google people before
0: I would go on a date with them just in case. You it could know. be.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jason, I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm curious. You, if yeah, we- and we I had... Sorry. <laughs> No, no, it's it's the kind of volume thing that I was thinking about is uh, I I was talking to somebody who specializes in startups and they said, I don't care about what shows when you search my brand name because I'm a startup and there's only 12 searches a month. And I said, but those 12 searches could be potentially the people who are going to give you a million dollars or not. And if what they see is incredibly impressive, you've got Google's stamp of approval. They can see a future for you because Google Thinks that you're impressive by association, they will think you're impressive and that you know what you're doing. If you can control Google, you know what you're doing. People will trust you. Yeah, very, very good point. Um,
0: I'm curious, what advice would you give other founders that are trying to, you know, break through certain ceilings? Maybe it's one million, maybe it's five million, maybe it's twenty million. Yeah, what advice would you give them trying to, you know, break through those revenue marks?
1: Yeah that's a really great question because I I would say a, a lot of e-commerce stores or companies will focus on SEO for specific products pull people in for specific products and then you're 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 aiming at selling the cheapest but if you aim at your brand and this brand marketing and your brand message people buy from you as a brand and from that point you're you're going to be building a business that grows and grows and grows and grows as long as you're giving great service and the brand actually has a great message So building up your brand across all the different platforms on social media, in in your PR, on media sites, is phenomenally important. Driving brand searches. So the more Google sees people searching for your brand and interacting with your brand on its search engine results pages, the more it realizes that your audience likes you, that the subset of its users who are your audience, are going to appreciate you as a solution to their problem. And Google will recommend you because it knows that your potential audience that is within its user set is going to be satisfied by you. They can rely on you to solve that user's problem. So if you can build up brand searches on Google, you will improve your performance across the board because Google will know that it can recommend you and that. Its users actually appreciate what it is you're doing.
0: Yeah, really good point, and and uh, yeah, I, I think it's really important, and and uh, yeah, definitely something that you you. It's so important from the brand perspective to own that as well, and and not only that, but I to your point, like maybe mm. you change products, maybe you focus on something different in the future, maybe mm. you know that you discontinue yeah. that product, or you know there, there's an and. I have many examples of that. We, we had a client rebrand because their one product, they only sold one product. They created a version two, and they thought it was such a drastic difference that they had to rebrand because they didn't even want to be beholden to that original product. You know, even though it was the same product, did the same thing. Right. You know, it was just so much of a jump, leap forward in technology in their eyes that they felt they had to completely rebrand uh and so you know sometimes like you, you know you might you yeah, right. have to do and, that
1: and that's a, yeah and and rebranding is a huge huge issue i mean from and it's what we can do incredibly effectively uh when facebook rebranded to meta i actually checked and tracked everything online changed within 2 days they had prepared, they set it all up, they had a team ready, and they went out and they changed every reference to them from Facebook to Meta. And they were very clear in their minds, Meta is the company, Facebook is the platform. And they communicated that incredibly effectively, incredibly fast. And CaliCube Pro, which is our platform that we use, will track both the old name and the new name. And we can make sure that you can make that switch smoothly, efficiently and effectively. You save a lot of time, you communicate clearly to Google, and you make sure that you're communicating across all the platforms to your audience. That rebranding exercise is something that CaliQ Pro does incredibly well. We're incredibly powerful at that. Um, And I often forget about it, in the sense that I focus on thinking, oh, we've got to get the brand understood, we've got to get that brand Google business card correct, all the person. But rebranding of a product or even or a company is something that's hugely complex, hugely difficult, and we can make it incredibly simple and incredibly fast. I had a a colleague, Dave Davis, who rebranded his company uh, a few years ago using CaliCube, and it took him a week. And he said, without CaliCube, it would have taken me three or four months. And it's really important that that message changes across the web, both for your audience and for Google. Within a week, so that they get a clear new brand message and they understand what it is you're doing. Yeah,
0: th- this client did not do it well at all. Burton, he did not take our advice at all right, and went rogue on it, and and it bit him really hard. Like it was, it was bad. Like there were Reddit threads upon Reddit threads of like, is you know what happened? Is this shady? Like mm. it was not, you know. <laughs> announced in the right way, so many things. So definitely right, you yeah. want to have it done right and you want to have it done, yeah, quickly and the right way because the wrong way can have some negative repercussions that you know you could come back from, but to your earlier point, you lose a lot of time.
1: Yeah, I mean, with a bad rebranding, you throw your SEO completely out the window. Google simply won't rank you properly across the board if you do it badly because it won't understand Uh, You're going to have to change domain. That's a huge undertaking. It isn't that complicated if you do it correctly. And I hadn't thought about the fact that your audience then reacts very badly, saying, I don't understand what's going on. And that just makes A, the confusion worse, but B, gives you a really bad reputation. Yeah.
0: No, it it was bad. A lot of people were asking a lot of questions like, were they trying to hide from something? Did something bad happen? You know, they were really trying to dissect. Where they didn't own the narrative of like, no, we made this amazing new product and it's so good that we have to rebrand, and you're going to notice the difference. And instead, right. people were like, "Oh no, they're trying to get rid of a tainted, you know, a tainted history mm. <laughs> to move forward, even though that wasn't
1: the case." <laughs> right. Um. No, and and th- the fact that you said. You need to own the narrative, both for yourself and your company and in the in the rebranding is phenomenally important. Owning the narrative is something I don't say enough. And that's what we're all about. Owning the narrative of your brand on Google, be it you as a person, you as a company, your products, or in this case of rebranding. Owning the narrative is what we're all about.
0: Yeah, because that's it's your story, right? It's part of your story. Like we, that's what we preach a lot on this podcast mm. is 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 the story right? Storytelling people, you know, people, people are buying from your story. People are paying attention to, you know, what you're all about. It's why we even met, you know, a yeah. couple episodes, we've talked about the about page of your website, potentially being your best sales page that there is because they're, you know, they're either mm. trying to find individuals that they can buy from because people buy um. from people, not necessarily a brand, but they're also trying to see like what you stand behind and what your messaging is and, Right. And, and, and what that differentiation is and why should I buy your product or be interested in your service? And that's definitely where, you know, on Google is that first version of that, right? Like, what is your headline? What is your paragraphs? What are, you know, your, your, you know, your, your other links on there? Like, what is the narrative? What is the story that you're trying to tell, you know, is so important because, you could navigate me the wrong place. You could have me think about something I wasn't thinking, which could be bad, yeah. but you could also use it as an opportunity to overcome objections, do a little bit of selling, uh, you know, to your point about Amazon, right? Like they used mm-hmm. it as an opportunity. It's not a rebrand, but a little bit of one, right. Where they were kind of like, this is our new message and we want people to, mm-hmm. to you know, to know what that looks like. And so I think it is a, an interest, you know, it's a, it's a really great yeah. opportunity when you take advantage of it in the right way to, yeah, to, to just get more results, right? To get what we're all about here, right? We, we want more customers. We want, you know, good, right. better user experiences and all of those kinds of things. And so I think it really is like your your first interaction with somebody to start to control what that story that in their minds, they're already mm-hmm. telling themselves, you know, about your your business,
1: Right. Yeah. And then the Amazon example is, is phenomenally powerful in the sense that I know Amazon, I just search for Amazon and it says smile more pay less. Wow. Yeah, I'm suddenly terribly convinced. Whereas I was only semi convinced before. <laughs> it's a great branding message. I click on the link and I'm already in a good frame of mind when I visit the site. Uh, and to your point about the about page, uh, Google is actively looking for the about page. Their algorithms actively look for it to understand who you are, how you present yourself, and are you trustworthy? Your About page is vital for your users, and I think a lot of people forget that, but it's also phenomenally important to Google. And they explicitly say, we need to find your About page because we need to know where to look for the information about you, from you, so that we can then go out and figure out, is what you're saying the same as what you're projecting online, what your audience is saying about you online, can we trust you to help our users solve their problem efficiently? Uh, are you credible as a solution, basically?
0: Yeah. Yep. Very, very, very good points. Um, last question, Jason. Any Anything you've been reading lately that you'd recommend?
1: Yep. I've actually been reading Google's guidelines a lot. They've been more open about what it is they're looking for, what what their algorithms are looking for. And what's increasingly obvious is that Google are moving away from what we traditionally think of, which is that somebody sat down, and coded this search engine where it says, if they've got 25 links, give them five bonus points. If they've got the word this number of times in the page, give them two bonus points. To machine learning, where The machine decides, and the human beings are not coding it anymore. What they do is they say to the machine, this is the outcome we want, the best, most efficient solution for our user to their specific problem. The machine is then figuring out how to get to that solution, how to get the user to that efficient solution. And Google is simply feeding in the data of the results that it's got, data that it's got from around the world, data that it's got from its users, and asking the machine to figure out the way to that solution. So you need to fo- you need to focus on what are Google aiming to do, whether they're there not today or sorry, whether they 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 are there or not today is not so important. What is important is that's where they're going. Where they're going is purely and simply: are you the best solution to its user's problem in the circumstances in which that user is? So when they search for something. Can you convince Google that you're the best solution, yes or no? If you can, you're top, you make the sale.
0: You Just some light reading on the side, you know, no big deal at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, some light reading on the side. Um, I'm trying to think of something light I've been reading, but the answer is actually nothing. I spend my whole... uh, reading existence and watching and studying and trying to understand how Google functions and how it's serving its users and how we can take our branding and our marketing that we already have for our clients and customers and prospects and package it for Google so Google can safely recommend us as the best solution. I'm a bit obsessed. I don't have many friends. Um, My daughter doesn't really listen to me very much anymore and my wife left me.
0: (laughs) Well... At least you're getting to travel the world. There's, you know, at least you're traveling the world or seeing beautiful places exactly. and, uh, you know, and, and you're doing really great things for your clients. So, um, I, I, Jason, I, I really appreciate yeah. the, the time no, I, and I, I mean, I encourage people, you've, you've got a podcast as well, right?
1: Yeah, we've got, we're have got. we going to rebrand that. So we're going to do a huge experiment on rebranding the podcast. It was called With Jason Barnard. And then I realized that people wouldn't listen to the podcast if they don't know who I am. So we're changing it to branded search and beyond. Love it. Love it. So listen to that. It'll be great. From next year on, it's going to be all about branded search, brands, running your brand on Google. It's basically branding on Google, which is where we're specialized. Um, so With Jason Barnard it was a great title. It was fun. It was a good experiment. But branded search and beyond is what CaliCube is all about. Awesome, love it. It's uh, I've listened to a couple episodes. It's really great
0: content, uh, Jason. Great advice today. I really appreciate it. Thanks. I really encourage everybody to to be thinking about their brand and and how it appears in the search engines, not just Google as well. All right, you should be looking sort of everywhere and and how you're looking. Mm. Definitely, would in- encourage you to check out CaliCube. And, uh,
1: yeah, Jason, if anybody wanted to connect with you, what's a good way for them to connect with you? Google my name, Jason Barnard, J-A-S-O-N-B-A-R-N-A-R-D, and you will find all the options to interact with me, to engage with me. That's a great Google business card. You start with my website if you want to look into my life personally with the blue dog and so on and so forth. Second result is my company if you want to do business with me. Third result would be LinkedIn, business again. Fourth result would be my articles if you want to read more about what I talk about. Next result would be my videos, if you want to watch videos about me. And on the right-hand side, you have a massive knowledge panel full of factual information where you can learn all about me, who my mother is, who my sister is, uh, which books I've written, what songs I've written, which albums I've released. And research me right on Google without even visiting any of the websites I just mentioned.
0: Awesome. Jason,
1: thanks again. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks so much, Samir. That was brilliant.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Scaling with Samir. Please subscribe and leave us a review. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. We also have snippets of these episodes on YouTube. Scaling with Samir is sponsored by Fetch and Funnel. We've partnered with hundreds of businesses and generated over 500 million for clients using our trademarked Fetch and Funnel method. If you're trying to scale your business, get in touch with us today at FetchFunnel.com. You can also get content that you can learn and apply directly into your business to improve results and scale on our email newsletter. If you are a successful business that is crushing it and would like to be on this program, please visit FetchFunnel.com slash podcast guest. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.